Well, hey friends, uh, I'm here at our church coffee shop, and uh, we're here for a particular reason. It's because it's environments like this that we find ourselves connecting with one another. We share with friends coffee and carbs and hopes of uh, connecting in a greater way than we have before. We catch up, we, we bring information, we share the struggles of life, we laugh, we cry. That all happens in environments like this. And uh, I think it's really in a lot of ways that very thing that is being tested in this time with what's going on around us in our world. Uh, I'm reminded, you know, it was several months ago that my wife Paula, she got a new car. It, it's an old car, but it's a new car to us, and it happens to be a, a little convertible. And for the first time in our lives, we find ourselves trying to come up with excuses to just go for a drive. It's like, hey, you want to just go for a drive? We've never had that thought in our lives with any of our cars before. We're never like, man, hey, you know, I really want to drive that minivan. That would be so great if we could get out and just spend some time in that. We never had those kind of thoughts. In fact, whenever we thought of going places, it was always like, oh, you know, I really want to go there, but I don't want to have to drive our car there. So this is the first time that we've ever thought, hey, could we just go for a drive together? And we found ourselves doing that on a very regular basis during COVID. And it's really been kind of like our COVID escape vehicle. And so many great things happen because you're out there and you're, you're close to the road and, and the breeze is going through your hair. But more than any of that, it's that somehow being in that vehicle, it gets me close to her, close together. And in that environment, we have talked through so much in that vehicle because we're reminded there that we can walk through a lot as long as we walk through it together. See, among the most painful side effects of all that is happening in our culture right now, whether it be, be COVID or civil unrest or a very charged political climate, what we're seeing is an increased sense of distance between one another. One of the things that I've watched erode away, at least at a, at a greater, faster pace than normal in this time, is our ability to actually trust one another, to believe the best in one, in one another, to, to love one another, because we're constantly being told, well, maybe that person is carrying something bad for you. They might be carrying this pandemic flu, or they might be carrying a political view that's different than your own, and maybe those things could infect me. So we create greater distance. We share less. We judge more. And we lose some of the most essential pieces of the life that God has intended for us. It's, it's a painful side effect to an already challenging world. But it's into that world that Jesus wants to speak to us, to lift our eyes from these ever-present troubles, and to bring us back to some foundational truths. Among them is a call to get close to one another. It's a very surprising idea because it comes into a world that's telling us just the opposite. So we're going to find ourselves starting again today with the fulcrum scripture for this series. It's Matthew 22, starting verse 35 to 40. In fact, let's read this all together right where you are. Big voices go. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? 
Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. It is that verse 39 that begs our attention today. Love your neighbor. What does that look like amidst a world that is constantly trying to pull us farther apart? Well, we start by remembering this truth. When God invites us to relationship with Him, He also invites us to relationship with each other. We're called to community. We're called to closeness. Remember, our relationship with God is supposed to be, be personal, but it's never intended to be private. God wants us to be a part of this family. But as we all know, families are messy. Maybe you grew up in a family like mine, where sometimes family gatherings were cut short, usually due to short tempers and tall drinks. And loved ones, I can recall, leaving in tears, leaving early from events in tears because of some now long forgotten argument. Oh, it was messy because families are messy. And the family of God is no exception because it's made up of messy people. Yeah, we're redeemed people, but we're still flawed. Yet it is that beautifully messy community that marks those who follow Jesus. We actually risk closeness. So if we are to get closer to one another, there are some things that we must say yes to. And it's those things that I would love to make mention of today. My thoughts will come from the book of Acts, which for us is really the blueprint of the community of Christ followers. This is our blueprint for how to do this. So if we are going to say yes to that kind of community, it will include saying yes to these things among some others. But here's the first thing I'd point out. First, say yes to the vulnerability of a shared life. Say yes to the vulnerability of a shared life. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, 44 to 45. Let's read this together. Big voices go. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Here we see two essential components that mark the lives of those who followed Christ in the early church. We see vulnerability and we see generosity vulnerability and generosity. They were together. They were sharing life, both what they had and who they were. Now that's vulnerable, isn't it? It's vulnerable because it's close. It's one thing to take a picture at a distance, you know, a nice landscape shot. There you are at a distance, but it's another thing to take a close-up. Get the camera real close. Oh, there you're, you're going to see my pores and my nostril hair and the bags under my eyes and the chicken feet. I mean, it's like every foot closer. It adds another five years to your life. It's not very comfortable with close. I don't think many of us are comfortable with close because close is so very real. We like to manage our image, don't we? We only post the pictures that look really, really good. We got to make sure it's the right filter, make sure the camera's up high, you know, all those elements. I keep waiting for someone to make the kind of skinny, young, smart filter to put on my phone. That would be nice, but maybe the Reface app can help with that. It does that a little bit. But I think if we're honest, I'm not really sure 
if I want others to see me up close, unfiltered, unprocessed. Yet this early community, it was like that. Together, they, they were sharing everything, who they were, what they had. They were doing so in real time. No filter, no perfect angle, no extra takes, just life on life. Yet, much of our culture doesn't work like that. In fact, most of our culture rewards the fake. It rewards the veneer. It rewards the shallow. Our world punishes authenticity, yet Jesus calls us to it. This is why our small groups are so important. This is why I'm so thrilled to see how many folks are involved in our small groups right now. Because we have to move past pretending, past life at a distance, past just church foyer kinds of conversations. How you doing? Oh, I'm great. And then you walk away, you're like, I ain't great. And they're probably not either. We stay at a distance. Yet life at a distance, it, it isn't real. We only live out real life when we're together, when we're vulnerable, when I reveal enough of my heart to you that you now have the power to either hurt me or heal me. That is the nature of love. See, real love is only possible when you know the real me. And in this early church, there was this openness in giving and receiving this openness of real love. See, I don't know about you, but, but I am much more comfortable coming in and saying, here's what I have to give to the group, than I am coming into a space and saying, well, here's where I don't have enough. Yet we see both of these things in this first community. Because it's in that vulnerability that we can actually become the answer to each other's prayers. I remember this, uh, the, the lights are, are coming up in December. I'm so excited about that. Talk about a COVID-designed event. The lights is that kind of event, a drive-through light event. It's going to be great. But I remember the first year we did the lights here on campus. And uh, we had this, as we're setting up all of these fixtures, and we had this joke, there's cords everywhere, and the joke was, man, if only we had an electrical engineer around. That would be so handy right now. We'd never done this before. Man, if only we had an electrical engineer. And I remember I was out one day, and we're setting up scaffolding, and some folks had come to volunteer, and so I was paired with someone who had come to volunteer, a great guy, and, and we, we spent just two or three hours together setting up scaffolding, having conversations, sharing life. It was just so good to be around this person. And after about two or three hours, I finally asked him, so yeah, what what'd you do for school? You know, where'd you grow up? What's your educational background? And he said, oh, I'm an electrical engineer. I was like, we've been talking about you. And it was so perfect at that moment. We're like, we really needed that. And here he was. There was a need that was both revealed and redeemed because we got close enough to know each other's story. That's what becomes possible in community. That as I share my weakness, it can actually be supported by another's strength. It's what happens when we say yes to sharing who we are and what we have and what we need. So say yes to the vulnerability of a shared life. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. 
Say yes to the effectiveness of a shared favor. Say yes to the effectiveness of a shared favor. Here's the passage, Acts 2. We continue, verse 46 to 47. Let's read it where you are. Big voices, go. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Understand this. It was light inside the church, and it was also light to those outside. Praising God in the faith community and enjoying the favor of all the people. As we gather together, whether it be in, in small groups or, or online or in coffee shops or in houses, we then, in those environments, we get to experience God's light for ourselves. That is so beautiful. That is so great. But we must desire that light to stretch beyond us. That, that, that the light of Jesus would actually be seen then in our town. This is why we are so conscious of how everything we do translates to our community. Because if whatever we are doing doesn't look like the love of Jesus to this town, then we are missing something. Here we see the mark of the early church was this favor among all the people, not just church people. So we must ask the question, how, the, how does this not only just bless me and those like me, but we must ask the question, how does this bless those who are not like me at all? How can it be salt and light to this town? You see, in that early church, they had favor with all the people. Some of my favorite friends are still figuring out this whole God thing. And I love to be around those friends and I'm so grateful for them because they remind me that if whatever I'm doing and whatever my relationship with Jesus looks like, if it doesn't somehow translate to where they are, then my light may need some adjustment, it may need some tweaks. Because the good news should be good for everyone. This shared favor of God is not just for those already in the community. It's for those not yet in the community. Those who do not yet call themselves Christ followers. But those folks are watching how Christ followers live. And I know that because that's what I did before I followed Jesus. I watched how people embodied the love of Christ. And if they didn't, I watched that too. It doesn't mean that Jesus never challenges us. No, Jesus told us if they hate me, <laughs> they're going to hate you. So yes, there are going to be moments when culture and Christ collide. But we must never allow that to absolve us of our responsibility to seek the favor of our community. To put our community's needs above our own. Our community must see us lay our lives and our rights down for them because that's what Jesus did for us. This is what marked the early church because it's what marked Jesus. And we're told in Luke chapter 2 that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. Jesus had favor with both God and man. So it seems like Jesus' followers 
would need favor with both God and man. It seems like we're invited, even compelled, to grow in that kind of favor. I remember years ago when we were in Redmond, the church we planted there, and uh, we were doing a series it was all about adventuring, so the whole sanctuary was tricked out like a pirate ship. You know, it was all that kind of stuff. There was sails in there and, and a pirate steering wheel and all kinds of stuff. And, and the designers were going crazy making it look like that. But they came to me, this group of designers at one point, and they said, okay, here's the thing. Um, there's these big barrels that we need to make this look really good, really look piratey up here. There's a bunch of them there at this store that's just a couple blocks away. And um, we've been going to that store. We can't afford to buy the barrels. We don't have that in the budget to, to buy these barrels. And we've been going to the lady to ask about the barrels. And, um, and when we've done that, she's been very like, no, no, you got to buy them or that's it. They're like, well, could we rent them from you? It's just for a little bit of time, you know, for a few weeks. And no, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, you got to buy them. That's the price. They seemed overpriced to them. And the lady, it was just very, very cold. And they're like, uh, we really want these barrels, but we're not getting through to this lady. And I said, well, that's a, that's a real bummer. Why are you telling me that? They said, well, we want you to talk to her. I said, that sounds super fun. That sounds so great. She sounds like she's a good time. So that'll, that'll be terrific. Yeah, you want me to go down there and ask her the same question that you asked her? Yes, that's what we want you to go and do that. And so I'm like, terrific. Okay, um, I, I guess I'll go and do that. And I'm actually getting up to go and do that. And this lady who was uh, very new to Jesus at that time, she just come into faith in Christ. She says, wait, we should pray that she likes you. <laughs> I'm like, yes, we should, we should pray that right now. Let's, let's do that. So we stopped and that was basically her, her prayer. God, help this lady like him. <laughs> and so I walked down the street and I go and they describe this woman to me. And so I go up to her and I just say, hi, you know, and I tell her who I am and I'm pastor of this church and we're doing this the series and our whole sanctuary looks like a pirate ship. It looks so cool. You ought to check it out. And, but we really, to make it the best is, is if we could have the, the barrels that you have there. They're so perfect for this. And we're hoping maybe we could rent those from you for a season because we can't really afford to buy them. But could we rent them from you? And, and I go through my whole spiel. And the lady just looks at me and she looks up from her notes. She says, actually, why don't you guys just borrow them? I said, no, we, we can rent them. You know, just, just come up with a fee. We can, we can rent them. She says, no. I know where you are. Just borrow them. That's fine. I know where to find you if I need them. Take them as long as you want. And then when you're done, just bring them back. Wow. I walked out of there like, I can't believe what just happened. Well, the difference was one thing. The difference was favor. This seems, I think, to us like a no-brainer. But we often miss this step. We simply need the favor of God on our lives. And when that happens, it changes how we interact with our community. See, people become open to healthy relationships with Christ when they have a healthy relationship with a Christ follower. Something that moves us beyond the memes and the caricatures of our world that others actually see us lay down our lives and lay down our rights for them. 
The heart of this church is to be about walking in the favor of our community, seeking God for the favor of all the people, favor for those inside the community and favor from those not yet inside the community of faith. We must say yes to the effectiveness of a shared favor. That's the second thing. Here's the last thing. Say yes to the openness of a shared table. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Let's read it. Big voices go. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. For this to happen, we must allow each of our lives to come equipped with an empty seat. That we make room for people at our table. You know, the other day, uh, my family and I, we, we all wanted to go to dinner together. And uh, we decided when we were able to do that, uh, we were going to go to a restaurant. I won't mention the name. It rhymes with Fred Bobbin. And uh, we, <laughs> we were going to go there and we were going to try to have dinner at 6. And so Paula said, I'll, I'll call ahead. So it's 5.20 and Paula calls ahead. She says, yeah, we just want to call ahead um, and put our name on the list. We'll, we'll be there at 6. And the person said, well, um, actually, we can't take uh, call aheads until a half hour before. Uh, and so she said, oh, really? Okay, so you want me to call back in 10 minutes and tell you I can be there at 6? He said, yeah, that's, that, that's what we, we want you to do. So she said, okay. So she hangs up the phone, waits 10 minutes, calls. Hi, it's me again. Yeah, I'm here to put my name on the list. I uh, would love to, love to um, be there at 6. Just wanted to call ahead and let you know. They said, great, perfect. You're on the list now. That'll be terrific. When you get here at 6, uh, we'll plan on getting you seated uh, at 7. She said... <laughs> Wait, wait a minute. What, uh, well, what if? Why don't we just then show up at seven if we're going to get seated at seven? Well, no, that, that's not how it works. You got to be here, but then it's likely that we won't get you seated un, until seven. Just wanted you to know that. And it was just really crazy. Like there's a lot of lot of loops here to jump through, and and it, it seemed a little bit intense. And it and we went anyway, and uh, we actually got in quicker than that, which was terrific. But the whole process for us reminded us how hard it seemed to get a seat at a table. There's a lot of work to getting a seat at a table. And it can be true for restaurants right now, but sadly, it's even more true in communities of faith. We can make it really hard to get a seat at that table. In communities of faith, we say, well, if you're gonna get a seat at this table, you gotta look right. And, you got to talk right, and you probably got to vote right, and, and, and maybe if you do all those things, we, we might let you in, we might give you a seat. Yet in the early church, we see something different. It says, the Lord added to their number daily, those who are being saved, added people to their number, to their lives. There was room for them, which reminds us that in this community, there will always be room for one more. In the early church, as, as close as they were, as, as much as they had walked through together, as much as they had shared genuine struggles and developed real and close friendships, they still kept the door open to those who were being saved. They made room for one more at the table. What made the early church so extraordinary is that there was always room for those coming to God. 
And now we know they were messy. We know it was likely these were broken people. Perhaps some of these folks were hard to love, yet they refused as a church to become a closed group. They refused to act as though their needs were the only ones that mattered. They refused to allow their comfort to be a barrier to another's conversion. For us, it means this, that as a congregation, we will always think outsider first. Does what we are doing build a bridge to those in our community, or does it build a barrier? Because we must be the kind of church that allows God to add to our number, which means we have made room at our table. So say yes to the openness of a shared table. That's the last thing. And I'll wrap up with this. Our dog Swagger, as I mentioned, we love him, but he's messy. He's messy, not so much from a hygiene standpoint. He's a fairly clean dog, but he's messy just emotionally. <laughs> he's, a, he's got all kinds of fears and anxieties. He seems to have a greeting disorder. If you see him in the first five minutes you're with him, you think this dog is crazy. Then he becomes a normal dog after that. But he's just got some issues. He's messy. That's our dog. Well, then Riley and Ethan got a dog recently. Mavis, the golden retriever. And Mavis is beautiful and wonderful, and we love Mavis too. But guess what? Mavis also is messy. We were together at the river the other day, and Mavis is showing off. She's out in the river. She's swimming farther than ever before. And then she comes in, and she just digs holes, super dig holes, like giant holes, like bury a body kinds of holes. And she's just covered with mud and dirt and everything, and she's just smiling. Oh, that's our Mavis, and we love her. She's rolling in dead stuff. She's chewing on who knows what. We love her, but she's messy. That's real life. Real life is messy because people are messy. Relationships are messy. And churches are all about relationships. So guess what? Churches are messy. As the saying goes, if you find the perfect church, don't join it because it won't be perfect anymore. Yet the message is worth the mess. The gospel is worth the grief. The souls are worth the sacrifice, which means we are called first to Christ and then we are called to Christ's community to love God and love our neighbor. As broken and flawed as this community known as the church can be, this is still how Jesus brings his hope to the world. He doesn't do it through a building. He does it through people. So let's say yes to a shared life, to a shared favor, to a shared table. Let's risk that vulnerability. Let's seek God's goodness for our town, and let's always keep a seat open for those who are yet to arrive. If we can do that, we will see that when it comes to one another, we are most definitely getting closer. Let's pray.